Do you know the exact problem your customer is having and want to solve it? Or do you want to know what makes them unhappy so you can better understand them? Simply put, pain points are problems. And each pain point is a different problem that your customers have. You want your product or service to be seen as a way to solve that problem. Today in the Dominate Your Market podcast, Ryan Paul Gibson, the founder of ContentLift, We'll talk about how to do customer research and ask the right people the right questions to have a big impact on your business's revenue and the mindsets, skills, and tools that are needed to do customer research well and get results. If you want to learn how to get insights from talking to customers, don't miss a minute of this great conversation. I want to welcome you to the Dominate Your Market podcast where we interview leaders, CEOs, founders, and high-impact business development professionals to get their insights on how you can grow your business efficiently, build an amazing company, and still have a life. Today's guest is Ryan Gibson, who is the founder of Content Lift, an agency who helps business, businesses run customer research interviews that don't suck. Okay, that last part just totally resonates with me. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. This is uh, that don't suck, dude. That's like you're speaking <laughs> my language, man. That's like raw, edgy, authentic. It's just like that yellow thing right behind me over here. It's just yeah. like, uh, so listen, um, I can't wait to, to get some nuggets from you, but I want you to tell our listeners your background. Like, where do you come from? How'd you get to where you are now? Just kind of give us a 30,000 foot view on it. Yeah. So I've been in B2B for about 20 years now. Um, started off in a franchise chain of coffee shops. I was the director of operations. Uh, but they threw me the marketing hat because they wanted to hire someone at a third of the cost, right? Oh. So, but it was good though, because that's, it was such a great learning experience. And that's where the research part really started for me because, you know, we sat in this middle of the road between B2C and B2B because my job was to create a market that then I could sell, you know, a turnkey business to entrepreneurs who didn't have to go through the whole development cycle. So I had to really understand the buyers and, you know, we didn't have the budget for in-depth research. So I just did it myself and I would go out and do, I'd interview customers, you know, do surveys and go into the stores of competitors and pretend I was a buyer, the customer and start talking to their buyers. And people thought I was crazy, but I was like, I needed to understand how and why people are making decisions about like, why this place and not the place down the street. And I used all that intel just to, to really inform what we did. So I, I spent almost a good 15 years in hospitality because I started when I was a teenager. And then I was like, okay, I think I'm done now. I want to I change it up. So I went, I went and took broadcasting, became an investigative reporter for three years up in wow. Canada where I live. And that's where I really started to cement interviewing and how you investigate something, how you build a hypothesis and try to get to a statement of facts. Um, it wasn't not my calling. I did okay. I wasn't the best reporter. So I went back to the business world and just started working with uh, businesses. Like I worked for an incubator up in Canada for a little bit, working with the startups. Then I ran marketing for a software company. And uh, now I went on my own about a few years ago. And that's all I do is just customer research. Because I think it's, if you don't, so if we're talking about dominated market, if you don't deeply understand that market and how and why they do things, you are not going to dominate it. Like, it's just, that's it. Plain and simple. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I, li I like that you played in on that keyword phrase because it really is. Now, now some people in business, maybe they're later in life, 
they don't want to dominate. It's just my personality. So that's, that's it blurred. It came out of me for the title of the book. It's sort of, I've been an athlete my whole life. So it's like that win, win, crush it attitude. Yeah. But, but you're so right. I mean, it's, I mean, and it's interesting because I've met a lot of people on LinkedIn that um, do some forms of customer research. They talk about how important the customer is and they're all great people and they all bring different things to the table. So I'm going to kind of push you a little bit on your expertise um, mm. because I think it's a very, very specialized. And yeah. I think you're very good at it from what I can tell. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, really honest. Well, I've done my research yeah. on LinkedIn with well, you. Thank right? you. Yeah, yeah. I hope I'm good at it or else, man, I picked the wrong line of work. <laughs> I love it. Love it. So, you know, you say something on LinkedIn, even stop being a psychic. Yeah. And it's bold and in your, in your, your main image. Talk about that a little, because I kind of like that, you know, people kind of, well, we can all think, kind of guess what that means, stop being a psychic, but tell me what it means to you and kind of what, what's your experience yeah. in, 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 your, in your field. Like, so I'm a marketer, right? Like that's really what I do, but I think I come at it differently because I come at it from a foundation of business development and sales. So I think your mindset is different. And that's not to knock marketers. I, I just think in B2B, they don't always get that exposure and sort of the understanding of why those things are there because marketing is sort of underpinning whether those things are successful or not for me anyway. And so when I say don't be a psychic, when I started working with B2B companies, especially, you know, a lot of the SaaS was just starting to really emerge at the time, you know, software as a service or just tech new technology companies. And I'd ask them, you know, so tell me what your customers are saying about you. And nine times out of 10, oh, we don't really talk to them. So I'm like, okay, how do you know then what you've put on this website, what you've put in your sales enablement, what you're doing at your events? How do you know those are the right things to talk about? How do you know that that actually resonates with them? And those are the things they care about when they make decisions for companies like you. And you just get blank stares. But all that stuff that I just talked about costs money and time to put together. So like, don't be, and it, it's a, been a big guessing game for a lot of B2B companies. They're just sort of, they either look at their competitors, they talk to the sales team, which is fine, but the sales team only has, has a limited view in like what's actually happening and why that person's coming to you in the first place and all the litany of other solutions they might have chosen. So, you know, you talk to product, talk to sales, maybe Google a few things. And now I'm going to build out a whole go-to-market strategy that takes up 20% of the company's annual revenue. Wow. Like you, the risk of that decision is momentous. So, you know, if I'm a CEO and I'm trying to understand how you just spent 15 to 20% of the company's money and you say I Googled some stuff, that's not going to sit well. And your chances of, of, you know, generating pipeline and revenue or leads or whatever you want to say, you would talk about, it's going to be really hard to do that if you don't understand why people would choose you in the first place. That's sort of like my, my answer to be a psychic. It's a long one, but I okay. see it time and time and again. It's just a lot of guessing out there and not a lot of understanding. Well, I think a lot, and like you said, you know, I mean, if common sense, just using common sense for leadership even, to think, okay, we should probably understand the hot buttons of our customers. We should probably understand what drives them, what motivates them to make the decisions they make. And yep. it's very common sense, right? But yeah. sometimes common sense is overlooked by big companies, mid-sized companies, 
it's crazy to think that because really, if you don't know your customer and what their pains are and what keeps them up at night, yeah. you are literally, like you said, you are guessing. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and then if you've got a marketing campaign that's, you know, like you said, 20% of your budget and you're, you know, you, you know, Super Bowl commercial, whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. You're throwing millions at something and you really don't know what a massive, that not only cost you in the expense of what you did. And then what's unfortunate for us marketers is they're going to say, well, marketing doesn't work. Yeah. Marketing doesn't work. You guys, you're fired. You're out of here. We're going to go to the next one. Marketing doesn't work. Yeah. Well, you know, and like you said, I don't think you can put all the blame on marketers. Although for me, having a marketing background, I'm also revenue growth, business development as well. Very similar to you. Yeah. I do want to know the customers and what's going on in their, their mind because it is common sense, right? Yeah. Like I, I don't put the blame solely on marketers. I don't think that's fair. But I think I think we we have done we often do a really poor job of understanding the synchronicity of how marketing and sales work together, right? And we talk about you see people talk about alignment all the time. But I think you have to really unpack what that means. And alignment for me isn't necessarily us having a meeting once a month to talk about the pipeline. The alignment is do we have a set cohesive firm of beliefs of why people are choosing us? And where marketing starts and stops, and when sales starts and stops, and you know, because they are in many ways the they're opposite sides of the same coin. And depending on the market and how you're going to market and how people buy things in your vertical or industry, the amount that marketing does is going to be different than the amount of sales does, you know. So it's like we talk about a product-led, sales-led, what yeah. have you, right? So you need to figure that stuff out because. Otherwise, that is what's going to happen. People are going to start pointing the finger at each other rather than operating from a set of truths that they share together to say, okay, what do we need to do together as a team to help move the needle here? So yeah, it's it's not just marketers, but I think they they really need to sort of look inward and say, am I doing the right things? Am I making the right choices? And how do I know that I am? Yeah, that's that's brilliant. You know, it's interesting because... When I think about, so if you're talking about, let's say a smaller company, you know, $5 million yeah. in revenue, $20 million in revenue, twenty, and that's typically my market. Sometimes it's a little higher than that. But yeah. what outside of hiring you, which I highly recommend people hire people <laughs> like you or yeah. you, even up in Canada, what would they, what's like some easy first steps that would improve where, from where they're at now? So you got, this podcast is all about dropping nuggets. And yeah, yeah. then, you know, what would, what could, what could a smaller company do? What would you yeah. say to them? Yeah. Yeah. So the, when I'm talking to them, I first try to understand like what type of research they've done to date, like how have they tried to understand the customer and what is their level of understanding? A lot of times you'll, you know, there's spectrums of spectrums of that. Some people have zero, some people, well, we've done some surveys. Or some people will say, yeah, we've done some interviews, didn't really work out well. We didn't know how to use the data. I don't even know if we asked the right questions, which is often a big one. So I, I often sort of just say, okay, start with people are planning right now. We're, we're talking right now, November, right? First, uh, we're in the last quarter of the year for many companies. So they're thinking of annual planning. And that's often where I advise people to start. And you And just look at the problems. Like, You'll have a list of them. You're going to be talking about them, right? At this time of the year, what is a what is a key blocker to a thing that you want to achieve? 
So, or what do you not know about the customers that you wish you did know to inform the decisions you're going to make about the business, whether it's product, customer success, sales, marketing, what have you. You start there. And then what you do is you sort of reverse engineer how you're going to, what do you want to know in regards to solving that problem, right? So I talk about it setting research objectives. And I think any researcher worth their salt is going to do that. Because whether I'm going out with a survey, whether I'm doing a focus group, whether I'm doing what I do, which is one-on-one customer interviews, every minute counts or every minute that they're spending on helping you out counts. So you need to be very precise about what you're trying to understand, not just have sort of wishy-washy conversations about, hey, do you like us? How are we doing? Like NPS score type stuff. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't move the needle. It helps maybe inform you of, okay, are we doing the right things overall at that 30,000 foot view? But it doesn't get into the trenches and understand how you're going to like systematically fix the business. So that's where I would start. And um, from there, it's really just figuring out who do I want to talk to and what type of business. Because as a marketer and a salesperson, I want to make sure I'm talking to the right people at the right business model. Because those I'm betting are the ones that are giving me the most money, right? So that's those are two really good places where I'd start. Okay. Uh, now, what about would you get like again if somebody's just taking the first step and doing this, let's say on yeah. their own, would it be would you would there be a champion in the company that one person that's doing this? Would yeah. they would you collectively come up with the strategic questions, whether it's five or ten questions? Um, yeah. How would they do that part of it? Uh, I like to do it. I suggest you do it as a team first, right? To be honest, because mm. the larger, the bigger you get as a company, you're going to see a lot of these things start to develop in house for companies that under like really want to build a presence in a market, right? So when I did my own due diligence around content lift, I found around a 300 head count to 500 head count is when you start to see research develop as an acumen or discipline inside mm. the company. Before that, they're sort of doing drips and drabs. But if you've never done it, I think sales, marketing, and however your product works, whether it's a service or a physical product, you know, and you know, it's software or a widget or whatever, I think all three of you sort of need to get in the room and say, hmm. okay, what do we want to know and what do we want to prioritize right now? Because just be so some things are marketing problems, some things are product problems, right? Some things are sales problems. So, you know, you need to really, some things are retention problems. So you need to understand like, where do I want to focus on first? So get everyone in a room. But as you get better at it, I think what I always tell people is if I'm a product person, you know, or business development or account executive, the things I want to know are going to be different than you as the marketer mm -hmm. who's trying to influence upfield. And when we ask questions in a research interview or a customer interview, I'm going to ask those questions through the lens of my experience. I'm looking for things to help the things that I want to do. So what I mean by that is a salesperson isn't necessarily going to understand or have the intuition to ask follow-up questions or really pointed questions mm. about marketing activities and vice versa. You know, I don't necessarily know everything that is going to be needed in you know procurement and legal and all that stuff, right? That sales might want to know. So that's when you get to the next phase of it, if you haven't done it before, I mean, if you, you have done it, I think you start separating out the pieces of the business you want to start focusing on. And that's what I see happen a lot after companies I've worked with who've never done research, then like, whoa, this is actually helping. They start to get more nuanced with what they're doing and they start applying it to different parts of the business.
Well, I mean, for me, and I've talked about kind of the customer journey, which mm-hmm. is similar to what you're talking about. I've talked about customer experience with clients, right? Because yeah, and so your research really lends right into that. It dovetails right into the more you can learn about your customers, the better you can make the experience. Therefore, you grow your com- company exponentially, right? Because it's they they go out and tell everybody. You've just you've turned everybody into an evangelist. The, yeah. the, the, the customer experience has gone through the roof because you did the interviews first, right? Absolutely. So you gathered all that data to go, wait a minute, whoa, we are doing none of this. And that's that's literally transformative to a company, isn't it? Oh man. So I mean, I'll give you a real I'll give you a real life example. Ooh, so give me one. Give me one. If they give if you go to my site, I have a I call it my one case study, but it really just breaks down my process. So if people just want to take it and try and apply it on their own do it because I want people to do this work. So the company Rewind, they're a SaaS company, they're here in Canada. They had, The reason I got tapped was they actually just had an acquisition that they thought I was going to you know, meld in nicely into their product portfolio. Because with acquisitions, if you do your research well enough, that sh- is what should happen, right? You have a marketing and a sales engine, you plug it in, sales should take off, revenue should sky start to go up. It did a little bit, but not to what they forecasted. So I'm like, we think, and then it was funny. It started with sales. They're coming back and they're saying, the discovery calls are a little off. We're feeling something's a little weird here, <laughs> right? Because the intel they'd been given by the founding team when they they acquired the company just wasn't tracking. So we went out and talked to these customers and we found so much that we were missing. And when we we figured out how and why they were buying and, and the things they were getting stuck, like where were they getting stuck? So they came and sought us out, rewind. We took a lot of that and we revamped their messaging, their ads, um, marketplace listings, and so on. And doubles installed within a month. The product mark, like the next month, they were 2x. 2X and the product marketing oh. manager, yeah, just like that, right wow. after like seven or eight conversations, because we just tweak stuff. We, we made the language more relevant to what they were looking for. So, and the problems they're actually facing, not like product featurey stuff, like, right. I have this problem, you have this problem and here's how you solve it. But here's the kicker. Like, I'm, this is what I think really people need to understand. So this was for one of their lower price tiered, um, you know, customers, because mm. that happens in businesses, right? We have a spectrum of customers. Some pay us higher contract values, some pay us lower contract values. When we looked at the marketing, everything we were doing was focused on that lower contract value, but that's not strategically where they want to grow in the market. They wanted to go mid-market and nothing they were doing, zero of their marketing and sales was speaking to that ideal customer, zero. So why would they choose the company in the first place? So their everyone's like, we got to fix this. So then they did a whole series of interviews with a UX researcher they hired and Mm. researcher by trade. The, the very next, like this past summer, interviewed 40 non-customers in the mar- in market to understand everything about how and why they buy. And you should see their go-to-market strategy now going into 2023. It has completely changed because of all those dominoes that fell. That, you know, it's, well, people, I don't think even need to hear a story like that to realize how important this is. But yeah. to hear that story is cool, right? Because it really is... <laughs> You know, what blows me away too is that, you know, um, the bigger the company gets, the slower they move, 
We all know yeah, that, right? That's and true. That's why I prefer to work in that small to mid middle range size of a business because I'm a fast mover myself. So I, I, it would drive me crazy to have a client and 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 you know you know propose something and then say that sounds great. Well, we're looking at about six or eight months out. I'd be like shoot shoot me right. And oh, so this kind that's, of stuff, that's forever in like in any type of industry. You're it's dead. Forever. You're dead. Yeah. So for you, like what you do, it can it can be so nearly instantaneous once you get the data and yeah. you start making some of these changes, website messaging, you know, messaging in your sales, messaging in your market, just those, like you said, those little tweaks, 2x, we yeah. rewind like that. So absolutely. I mean, if businesses want to know how to quickly increase your revenues, it's not spending more money on, on marketing and advertising. You know, and mm -hmm. I'm a marketer, so like, you know, shoot me for saying that. It's get your messaging right by understanding what your customers really, really want. Uh, yeah, I I think that we should be more critical and audit more of our, our you know, how we spend our money. That's sort of what I said at the beginning, right? So I don't, I never look at this work as saying marketing is doing something wrong. I look at it as we're de-risking making the wrong choices. Because like that's that. what any yeah. any company would do that when they audit something in any other discipline, right? Are we making the right choices? We just don't always think of marketing that way because sometimes we just think, well, we just got to spend more. Well, what if you don't? What if you actually just, you, you have the right amount of uh, budget behind it. You're just spending it in the wrong way. That's significantly a much different lens to look through than what we often see, which is just to spend more. Get higher, right. hire, hire more SDRs, hire a bigger sales team. Right. 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 Get out there and knock on doors. But what if the doc, what if the sales team is knocking on doors and saying the wrong thing? Or rocking on, knocking on the wrong doors. Wrong door. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, okay, well, listen, we're putting, we've increased the spend. We're doing all this stuff, but what's the deal? And then you go yeah. to the sales and marketing team and go, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Well, again, it does, it does go on them a little bit, right? Everybody's got to be accountable for that. Absolutely. And, and common sense would be, if I'm a sales guy, I'd want to know what's going on in, in my potential client's mind. Yeah, so, absolutely. So you really do need to know that. But for you, I think what I'm hearing from you and what you offer is a real concrete process, a system that really gets in there and, and, and dials this up, right? Yeah, I think so. I'd like to think so. I mean, to get so, like a little nerdy on research, when you look at the landscape of it and having come from sort of a B2C, B2B larger market, like you have all these firms like Gartner and, mm -hmm. and McKinsey, hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, and there's other people that um, do work similar to me. They're charging, you know, multiple six figures and that's not, that's fine. That's great. They're trying to help their clients. But when you look at sort of what they provide, it's very academic at times. It's very mm -hmm. dense. It's how do I apply this tomorrow or even an hour from now into my marketing and sales motions. Cause that's when you talk to customers, that's what they care about. Yep. Like they don't, cause right. The challenge they have now is they distill all this data sort of thing, but okay. Like now what do I do? But it's right. in like very dense forms of, you know, um, communication. So what I try to do is like, I don't think you need a psychology degree to do this. I don't think you need like 10 years of analyst experience, even though those people are very smart and they're going to do a great job for you. That's not what the small business needs and the average small business needs. They need results in two weeks. So what I've tried to do with how I approach it is get very like focused on what is the path that they're taking? 
What are the pains and problems that buyers are facing? Why did they choose you? And then how do we take all that and map that into our go-to-market strategy so we can build out assets and sales and marketing that can impact maybe even next week? That's sort of my approach. Um, and there are people who do that. And it's great because, when, like I said, when you talk to businesses, they don't have time mm. to wait six months to re- reshape their go-to-marketing strategy. What they need are some quick wins tomorrow. So that's yeah. sort of how I like to try and approach it. Well, and, and you make a good point too, is that you, you could get the big research companies out there that charge the six figures and they dump a, I'm, I'm going to guess on this, but they dump a 20, 30 page document down on the table and say, here you go. Here, here's, yeah. the, here's the end and, product. What do they you walk do with away. that? What do you do with and, that? And I think what I bring to the table, and I don't mean this is not like I'm tooting my own horn, No, no. but no. I've, I've been in there. Like I've been account for budgets. I've had to sell something. I'm my, my neck has been on the line, right? Mm -hmm. So when you come through sales and business development and you know, your eyes are different. So I try to look at everything through the eyes of a CEO or founder. And I try to say, how am I going to maximize the use of my capital? And then how can I then make more informed decisions about the business tomorrow? Right. Whereas when I speak to a lot of analysts or a lot of researchers, they've never had to do that work their skill sets in the research. And that's great um, because they bring a lot of value there. But again, for clients like yours in that five to 20 million range, that they definitely, that might not be what works for them. What they need is someone they can get in and say, here, you do this tomorrow. Right. It's, it's yeah. almost, I'll use the phrase, dumb it down. Yeah. It's almost, can, in you, certain can ways. you take this, can you, can you take this pile and just make it like a, you know, English for a fifth grader kind of thing? Yeah. So that we can actually do something with it. And again, no, no disrespect to really high level research. That's, that's incredible. But I think, like you said, a lot of people, they don't have the time. These CEOs, business owners, founders, they, they got to, they got to move quick. So something like yeah. what you provide allows them to move quick. I hope so. Because that's at the end of the day, speed, you know, speed is important, but it's, it's speed with purpose. Always is because there's so many choices you can make in the course of a day. Where do you throw the dart strategically? I always like to say a business is a bet in a market. So how do you increase your odds of not losing that bet? Right? You'll never get it foolproof, but man, you can do a lot to really increase your odds of winning. You know, what so. you just said dovetails into my next question. Even when you think of like if somebody's considering a new product or a new service, right? Yeah. Um, whether that's in an existing company or a startup. God. This goes right back to interview your ideal customers, right? Even though they're not your customers yet. Talk about that a little bit. Just that whole idea of use it for kind of new product launches, new service yeah. launches, right? For sure. Like validating something. I, I think I think where people fall in the traps, and if you read some of the really good uh, business development or product development people that have you know built good followings over the years, I think this is the consensus, right? And I talk to founders who do this. They'll get an idea, they'll present it, and say, "So, would you buy this thing? This thing? What do you think of this thing? Would you buy it?" And most of the time, what you most of the time what you get is, "Oh, that's really interesting. Oh, that's so cool." And then when we follow up, and I hear from them, I went back a month later, and then I, you know, put a price in front of them and a contract. They were like, "Oh, actually, happens." Time and time again, year after year. So why why does that happen though? And this is sort of the consensus on it. 
is because you actually haven't tried to understand how they solve things. What you've done is just presented a cool widget that maybe or may not work for them. You haven't understood contextually what they're trying to do. So there's a really interesting methodology that came up in the last 30 years called Jobs to Be Done. I like it a lot. Hmm. And what it does, it's an innovation framework to figure out, okay, what is the actual progression people are trying to make? So they start here in one spot and they're trying to get somewhere else. And there's a bunch of stuff blocking their progress as a business. What are those things? Why do they exist? And how have they tried to solve them already? Because if then, if you can figure what those blockers are, the progression they want to make, that's where business ideas and feature ideas start to actually make come into play. So, you know, as an example, they always say, nobody buys a drill to put a hole in a wall, they buy a drill to hang a picture, they buy a drill to build a house, right? And in B2B, it's the same type of things. You know, I don't buy Salesforce because I want data in front of me and I want dashboards. It gets me somewhere, right? Right. What is it? Where does it get me to? So those are the things that you need to understand. What are the pain points? And if you can figure out that, then you might have something where, okay, what is what is the remover of the pain I can create? How do I create a business model around it? That's the difference. Then what you can do is you can bring it back to those people and like, hey, I've heard all these pains. Here is a thing. What do you think of this thing? Right? You're a lot closer. That is a yeah, that's a much different process than you just building it sort of in a lab somewhere, right? You're trying the divine intervention is coming down, or like, I got it. <laughs> I figured it all out. And then you go and show it to people and they're all like, Yeah, that's sort of cool. And then when you know push comes to shove, they don't want to buy it. Well, right? you know, it doesn't fit into their world and you haven't done the work of trying to figure out the world. You know, it's interesting. Um, and I've, I've, I've said this in my book, Dominate Your Market, which is sell the outcome. Absolutely. Focus on the out, because that's all people care about. Yeah. They care about how are you going to make my life different? And even in B2B, same thing, right? Yeah. What, what are you providing that's going to make their lives better? Even the, the, uh, the employee in that position, let's say the buyer in a company. Well, he or she has a job and their job is stressful. And, but let's say they're the buyer of widgets, whatever. Well, they don't want to buy a bad widget because if they do, then their job's on the line. So the person selling the widget, how can you make that particular individual in the company? How can you make their life better? Absolutely. I mean, this, if you go back to the the example I gave at the rewind, what we, what we discovered was they sell backup software. That's what the product does, but that's not what they cared about. What people cared about was restoration of data. And the reason they cared about restoration of data was that if you look at most SaaS applications now, it's a lot of manual work to try and restore data if you can, Mm. right? Or if you try to build your own backup, backup software, right? Or restoration software, one, it's going to cost your dev team a ton of time, and they're now working on products that are not at critical to the growth of the company. And two, it's going to fail because it does 99% of the time, just the way the nature of the software works. So that's the thing we changed. We didn't stop talking about backups in the ads. We talked about restoration and how now your dev team is only going to work on mission-critical products. Your dev person, that probably costs you hundred dollars to $150,000 annually right, per person at the low end. So, you know, that those are the things you need to understand, right? That you, what's the outcome and why do they care about that outcome? That's where sales and marketing really starts to shine. You, you know, um, in winding this down, which this has been awesome, um, 
when people do research and they've yeah. done the research, is that it? Are they good? We're all good? That's it? <laughs> no. No, no, hell no. No. Okay. Okay. So they've done the research. They're proud of themselves. They're all breaking their arms. They should be. Yeah, absolutely. Don't be wrong. They should be proud. Like they're taking steps that most businesses do not take. Right. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing. Markets don't, are not static. They're not monoliths. You know, they constantly move. So the one example when I'm talking to founders about that is what, what was the total addressable market of video chat before the global pandemic? What was it during the pandemic? What is it now? Like these things are in flux. Look at, yeah, we're heading towards a recession. Look at how many people have laid off, made big bets in the pandemic. And now they have like, whoa, we sort of guessed that wrong. And these are big companies with deep pockets that valuations have now been impacted. So you have to be, I'm not saying you have to do it every week talking to customers. You can, if you have like a larger company, you have some type of research um, acumen companies actually do do this when they get to a certain headcount and size. But for a smaller company, what's realistic, right? I always say, you know, once once or twice a year is good. Okay. Because here's the thing. If you do the foundational work and you fix one little problem, one problem in the business, you can move on to something else. Right. But if you have that common understanding now with sales and marketing, your sales team is going to pick up on things and customer success. They're going to hear and look for things they did not look for or previously, right? Because now you have a, you have a common set of understanding about how and why people buy. But once a year, absolutely, go back out to your market. What's new? What trends are happening? What is different now that was didn't exist a year ago? Because then you actually might have new product opportunities, a way to increase your revenue, you know, and a way to um, get a new customer base that you didn't maybe understand or a new segment. Those are the ways that we help really start incrementally growing a business. So that's, I would say once a year is good for a smaller business. Yeah, and I think the, the end thought there would be that when you do the research, you're way ahead of the game. You're way yeah. ahead of the game, but it doesn't stop. It cannot it stop. Yeah, yeah. So, well, so I mean, like, that's like saying stop, stop understand, like stop selling. You know, yeah. we haven't, we made enough money. Right. That's not how a business works, right? So it's, yeah, you know, you always have to keep understanding your customers, right? I think the trick is, and if you would ask a, a founder or a sales team, well, yeah, we do understand them. You understand the snapshot you had in time for the part of the relationship that you have with them. But there's so much that happens externally in a market around what they're doing that you probably, you need to stay on top of as well. Because right. that is really how you position and really get into a market and dominate it. You know, it's interesting. It makes me think of, you know, my fitness background. So it's almost yeah. like, but I want to go on me, but I'll say somebody else. Let's say somebody else says, went on a weight loss program, whatever. They're still working out, eating clean, lost a bunch of weights. Oh, lost a bunch of weight. Okay, I'm good. I'm done. Go back to my normal life again, right? That yeah. would be very similar to what you're talking about, right? Where it's like, no, 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 no. You continue unless you want to have the results from the previous life or in a company, the previous, yeah. if you, and who wants to go backwards, right? You know, and so I yeah. think the analogy would be literally the same as like somebody that's, on a weight loss program and they've hit their goals and then all of a sudden they stop. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, that's insanity. You would, you would never do that. So I think with, with customer research, same thing. So Ryan, I want to thank you so much for being on this. I was like a fellow Canadian, by the way. I love it. Yeah, love it. that's true. Yeah. We didn't mention uh, that. <laughs> uh, uh, well, you know, it's interesting because I just got my American citizenship at the, yes. age, of, at the age of 59, four yeah. months ago. 
Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, bittersweet, right? I mean, my, yeah. my mom and dad are passed away and they're yeah. both buried up in BC where I'm from. Yeah. And um, I haven't been back up there yet. You know, my mom's been up there, buried up there for three, three and a half years now. All my cousins are there, but um, yeah. it just made sense. I've lived in the States. My mom and dad brought us here when I was four, which was 55 years ago. Wow. So yeah, I'm old. I'm old. So, um, but yeah, so it, uh, but it's, it's great to talk to a fellow Canadian. So yeah. It never, think, it never leaves the bloodstream. It's always there. Well, I've got those two words you and I talk about tomorrow and sorry. I, I cannot, I cannot yeah. get it out of me. Yeah. That's enough about that. Anyways, listen, before I forget, how can people find out about you? Give us yeah, websites, absolutely. give us any information. So I am on LinkedIn. I pretty much live there. Okay. Um, I love LinkedIn. So uh, you can search Ryan Paul Gibson. That's, oh, awesome. um, and it'll, I'll be hopefully the first person that comes up. Who knows? There's maybe there's more. Um, and my business is content lift. You can go to contentlift.io. And .io. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty open to having conversations with anyone that's really trying to figure this stuff out. Cause it's, oh, it is nice. definitely something that is not easy for everyone. So I'm always happy to send me DM, send me an email, always happy to try and talk you through it. So contentlift.io, mm -hmm. Ryan Paul Gibson on LinkedIn. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, so thank you so much. I appreciate it. I hope our listeners got a lot of value out of this. And if they did, um, and if you're not doing any customer research, at least go to his website, right? Go to your website, check it out, and then decide from there if you want to have a quick exploratory call with you. Absolutely. Always happy to try and help. Thanks, Ryan. Hey, no, thank you for having me. It's been great. You've just listened to the Dominate Your Market podcast with CEO, business consultant, and author, Michael Peterson. Growth-minded CEOs hire Michael to explode their revenues, build an amazing company, and create a transformational mindset that encapsulates growth, success, and ultimately, happiness. His book, Dominate Your Market, is creating quite a stir in the marketplace. Go to dominateyourmarketbook.com and get your first chapter free.